0: On Tuesday, France's Senate is set to take up a controversial piece of legislation that raises questions about one of the country's most famous ideals, laïcité.
1: The French government says that laïcité, secularism, is under threat.
0: One community has been especially affected, the nearly 6 million Muslims who live in France, the largest Muslim population in Western Europe. French
1: Muslims fear the bill unfairly singles them out and will contribute to a rise
0: in Islamophobia. The politician behind this legislation is France's President Emmanuel Macron. And his critics say that by leading this charge, he's ceding ground to the country's most prominent far-right politician, Marine Le Pen.
2: Even if Marine Le Pen does not make it to the presidential palace, her ideas won. And her agenda is being applied by people like Emmanuel Macron.
0: So, while France's politicians try to outmaneuver each other from the right, what impact will those ideas have on a community that's found itself at the heart of this debate? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. To answer that question, we spoke to a French activist who's been involved in the fight against Islamophobia for years.
2: My name is Yasser Louati. I'm a human rights and civil liberties activist and head of the CJL and podcaster on Le Breakdown.
0: Yasser highlighted an interesting exchange on that podcast recently. It took place during a widely watched televised debate in February, considered to be an unofficial start to France's election season. The exchange is between two polarizing politicians. One is the prominent far-right leader Marine Le Pen, who's made headlines for comments like these.
1: In a 2010 speech to National Front supporters, Le Pen likened the sight of Muslims praying in the streets to the Nazi occupation of France.
0: The other is France's interior minister, Gérald Darmanin. He's there on behalf of French President Emmanuel Macron's government. And in this exchange, Darmanin one of the most prominent members of Macron's government, tells a very shocked Marine Le Pen… —
2: Madame Le Pen, you're starting to show signs of softness. You need to take
0: vitamins again. You're not as strong. You're not ready to legislate on religion. And you say that Islam is not even a problem. — When you heard that, what went through your mind? (laughs) — Holy cow!
2: It is really like, like, you know, first, those debates are really toxic, and you really have to watch them because you have to. But this is kind of a farce. Now, Marine Le Pen answers Gérald Darmanin.
0: Well, I am not attacking Islam. It's a religion like others. Because I am deeply attached to our French values, I wish to preserve total religious freedom. This is my opinion. On the other hand, radical Islam is an ideology we should and can fight against. And you don't.
2: Marine Le Pen outsmarted Gérald Darmanin. And this is where Macron failed. Because he can no longer pretend to be more moderate than Marine Le Pen. Because his own Minister of Interior ended up being on the right side of Marine Le Pen. We have a joke in our uh, organization. We're going to end up voting for Marine Le Pen to stop the far right in twenty twenty two
0: A lot of people outside of France are familiar with Marine Le Pen, but fewer may know about the Interior minister. So what can you tell me about him?
2: Uh, Gérald Amena is the grandson of a uh, Harki, what we call the indigenous Algerians who fought alongside uh, the French troops during the liberation uh, struggle. And uh, he used that as some kind of validation that he's not racist. My grandfather's name is uh, Moussa, etc.
0: Darmanin says this himself. He'll mention his Algerian background to shove off accusations of racism. But Yasser says those accusations fit.
2: And Gérald Darmanin became the Minister of Interior because he brought with him this identitarian right rhetoric, that we have to be openly xenophobic for the interests of France. Emmanuel Macron gave him the national visibility he needed, but right now this strategy is blowing up in the face of Macron now that, you know, Deramana is accusing Marine Le Pen of being, quote-unquote, too soft on Islam.
0: And the timing was important. This debate took place as France's assembly considered the so-called separatism bill that's scheduled to go to the French Senate tomorrow. Macron has said throughout his presidency that he wants to tackle what he calls Islamist
1: separatism.
0: What we must fight is Islam is separatism.
2: It's a conscious, theoretical, sociopolitical project. It's repeatedly at odds with the values of the
0: republic and often leads to the creation of a counter-society. It's become a catch-all phrase— But what it implies is that Muslims aren't embracing the French value of secularism. The bill itself is a wide-ranging piece of legislation that takes on everything from homeschooling to charitable donations to hate speech online. The
2: bill creates a new administrative procedure to temporarily close religious establishments that spread messages of violence. Religious groups will also have to declare any donations worth more than €10,000 from abroad. One of the most controversial aspects of the bill tightens the rules on homeschooling.
0: When the National Assembly debated the bill, they proposed more than a thousand amendments.
2: What we see clearly here is the government giving itself the legal tools to crack down on a specific minority's freedoms.
0: The French government says it's not singling out any religion. But when Macron laid out his plan for the bill in early October, he said he wanted to build, quote, an Islam that can peacefully coexist with the republic, end quote.
1: President Emmanuel Macron says Islam is a religion in crisis.
0: In the weeks that followed his speech, there were two high-profile attacks.
1: Police say an 18-year-old man killed a middle school history teacher with a knife after he showed a caricature of the Prophet Muhammad in class. Authorities say a young man stabbed several people inside the Notre Dame Basilica
0: in Nice. And all of a sudden, Muslims really were at the center of public debate. The draft legislation was revealed in December, and the French Assembly passed an amended version last month. On Tuesday, it goes in front of the Senate, where it's expected to sail through with ease. In Yasser's view, human rights advocates like himself have a lot of reasons to be concerned.
2: First, the way this uh, bill was marketed to public opinion, it was solely targeting Islam and Muslims, and that any time Muslims organize This is to be criminalized because it is inherently a danger.
0: But while the government's marketing around the bill was focused on, quote unquote, separatism, at first, Yasser says the language around it has changed.
2: The law was rebranded. It is no longer the separatism bill. It is the bill to promote French Republican values. The whole constitution and the whole legislative body is based on promoting Republican values. So this is where, you know, we have a, a problem with this.
0: Was that change deliberate, and, and how did that happen?
2: The fear of not being able to gain sufficient votes, they had to be it in a more positive uh, light because they found themselves, again, trapped with the, with the rhetoric. It was a purely anti-Muslim rhetoric. Muslims are separatists anytime they organize. So now it's not, no, it's not about separatism. It's about promoting with the French Republic's ideals. I mean, those ideals are violated by this very government. You know, it says a lot about the hypocrisy at stake here.
0: That bill isn't the only one that's been said to violate French ideals recently.
1: The so-called Loi Securité Globale, the law on global security.
0: People across France have been protesting what's called the global security law for months now. It's been denounced by the UN's head of human rights and France's own human rights ombudsman for its overreach.
1: From creating a municipal police force here in Paris to regulating private security and the use of
0: drones. And this bill is also in front of France's Senate this month. Yasser says it's significant that the government is debating both of these bills at the same time.
2: Today, it is about
0: the capacity to
2: shut down any organization they disagree with. So yes, you make it acceptable by targeting a Muslim organization because, you know, public opinion has been prepared for this. But these measures, make no mistake about it, are applicable today to any organization the government might call subversive, even though there is no grounds for it. So that's why it is extremely
0: dangerous. So what Yasser is saying is that these laws that are shrinking the civil liberties of Francis Muslims really affect everyone. We are basically seeing
2: France behaving like a rogue state. So yes, there are reasons to worry. And unfortunately, the space for dissent and for disagreement is a shrinking before our eyes.
0: So we've been talking about these bills, but they are not yet law. Although even without them, some human rights groups are concerned about the climate in France for civil liberties. Last year, the government shut down a leading anti-Islamophobia organization. So keeping that in mind, what does this mean for groups like yours that speak out against policies that stigmatize Muslims?
2: The repression against a human rights organization has been rampant and we have a climate where human rights are seen as an unnecessary burden on legislation. And this again tells you that France abroad poses as the country of human rights, but at home is at war with them. And we dismiss the very notion that human beings have basic human rights. Even that has been discredited. So... Even if these laws don't make it, which won't happen, but even if, let's say, in in an ideal world, they get blocked by brave MPs and members of the Constitutional Council, the atmosphere is already toxic.
0: And that's not just the case for Muslims or for activists. For the last several months, French politicians have been lobbying a peculiar charge at some French academics, Islamo-leftism.
1: ...polémique autour de l'islamo-gauchisme, qui serait de... ...d'avantage
2: d'islamisme gauchiste, plutôt que d'islamo-gauchisme, s'il fallait je le definir
0: dislamo ...islamo-gauchisme, je ne sais toujours pas ce que ça veut dire ce truc, islamo-gauchisme, ça veut la dire...
2: Gangrene, ...la gangrène, la gangrène de l'islamo-gauchisme, qui...
0: While the fervour around it is heating up now, the phrase has been around for a while. What is islamo-leftism? Where does this term come from? And what impact do you think those comments have had on academics?
2: Islamo-leftism is a concept that was brought to France in the early 2000s by a highly conservative thinker called Pierre-André Taguieff, and he said that the alliance between banlieue, black Arab organizations on the one hand, and left-wing organizations on the other, has brought about this Islamo-leftism in France. Fast forward about two decades later, today it is used to dismiss any intellectual that calls out racism, Islamophobia, uh, state brutality, and that provides academic work to support this condemnation.
0: Basically, the term has become a smear for scholars who speak out against racism or against France's policies towards Muslims. And some academics have already been singled out by politicians.
1: I'm Christelle Rabier. I'm a historian of science and medicine, And I've been developing teaching and research on colonial history and racial studies.
0: In addition to being a scholar, Christelle is vocally anti-racist. She also runs a blog about higher education and research reform. It's often quite critical of the French government. And in November, she found herself in the middle of a controversy on this topic.
1: Last year, I was targeted alongside six other scholars by the representative Julien Aubert, who is a member of a very conservative right-wing
0: party. Julien Aubert is a member of France's National Assembly, one of the country's legislative bodies. On November 25th, Aubert sent out a controversial tweet
1: requesting the creation of an official investigation into universities against what he called ideological intellectual trends in universities.
0: In addition to calling for an investigation, Aubert said academia was filled with, quote, powerful Islamo-leftist currents, end quote. Plenty of academics responded on Twitter. The next day, Aubert selected seven of those responses, including Christelle's. He screenshotted them, made a collage that included their Twitter photos and bios, and he sent them out with a tweet saying that those who are guilty are implicating themselves.
1: I mean, it had impact on my health, impact on my mood. I was very frightened and I keep thinking that I could be physically targeted as a political opponent to what I call a regime and which is no longer a French Republic.
0: She's filing a complaint against Aubert for defamation. She wants to hold him accountable. But that hasn't slowed the pace of this conversation in academia. Last month, Frédéric Vidal, France's minister of higher education, also called for an investigation into Islamo-leftism in an interview. (laughs) Hundreds of professors called for her resignation. When asked to clarify her comments, she said Islamo-leftism had no scientific definition, but it still has made its way into the lexicon. It seems like some of the language that these ministers are using has support among a large part of the public. For example, one poll last month found that 69% of the French public polled sees Islamo-leftism as a problem. How does hearing... A number like that make you feel?
2: Well, it, it first confirms that the center of gravity of French politics is not anymore in the center but has shifted towards the far right. We see that French public opinion has been harassed and hammered with these ideas for decades. So of course, if you constantly tell people there is a threat and that threat is not on authoritarian government and the corruption and capitalism, etc., but you tell them the problem is your Muslim neighbor, the problem is your Muslim neighbor, and you repeat it, at the end of the day, it's going to become the norm. And that's why today people buy into it. So this tells us that France is again back on the downslope of the far-right ideology. And the worst is to be expected, unfortunately.
0: How do you go about your day-to-day fighting the fight that you fight, knowing that this is what's looming?
2: It's quite a psychologically toxic environment. Because you wake up with this, you sleep with this, in between you work on that. So... First, you have to deal with the repression from the government. You have to deal with the day-to-day cases people send to you. You see that people are too scared to mobilize. They fear for their job. So yes, it is a climate of fear.
0: The French police conducted a series of raids targeting Muslims after Macron's speech on separatism back in October. So Yasser and his family were afraid too.
2: I say it now because it's over, but when the government launched these uh, dozens of raids, many of us slept by the entrance door. We were expecting the cops to show up and we were like, okay, if they show up, at least I can open the door. You know, my wife is sleeping, the kids as well, so you just want to kind of welcome them and come things down and you don't know how things can, you know, get out of control. So now it is really, these are really times of you do it because you, you have to, that's it.
0: Uh, Yasser, I'm sorry to hear that. I um, can't imagine what that is like. But thank you for reliving it enough to tell us about it and explain it to us. Yasser says he's also been disappointed by the reactions of Muslim organizations throughout the last few months, as this fear has taken over.
2: There are two positions, the position of fear and silence, hoping that you're not next, which does not work because they're after everybody. The second one is active collaboration. So, for example, the Charter of Imams.
0: That's a document the French authorities negotiated with some French Muslim representatives this winter, as the debate over the separatism bill raged on. The government is asking imams to sign on in order to gain accreditation.
2: And this one literally cracks down on the freedom of speech of Muslims, especially Muslim representatives, and this is where things are extremely dangerous. The government only acknowledges or recognizes a specific brand of Muslim representatives, those who go alongside its policies, but today, unfortunately, all these measures that we are calling out in the Charter of Imams was written with the collaboration of the Grand Mosque of Paris, and this is why things are terribly desperate for Muslims today in France because even their organizations, first they are actively promoting an openly anti-Muslim set of policies.
0: And Yasser says it's a real problem that some of these leading representatives of Muslim organizations are working with this government. They're helping draft things like this charter, which Yasser says stigmatizes France's Muslim community even more. I think the best way
2: for Muslims to free themselves is to first free themselves from their own organizations and maybe enter a set of rebellion against those who pretend to represent them.
0: For Yasser, so much of this conversation about state regulation of Islam and about the control Muslims can exert over their own political lives connects back to France's colonial history.
2: So you see the collaboration as in the colonial era of the official Muslim bodies. France even in 1894 sent a diplomat called Leon Roche, who went to Mecca to get a specific Islamic legal opinion that would call on Algerians not to fight France as long as France allows them to pray fast and go to Mecca. So in the typical French software, Muslims only exist as believers. They don't exist as citizens. And anytime they step over the boundary of faith and become social beings who are involved in the environmental crisis, corruption, sexism, militarism, whatever, they become problematic and they call that political Islam. But I'm sorry, we are human beings and human beings are political beings. If we don't do politics, we do not exist. Our identities are complex and multiple. I was born here and I will probably die here. So I better make sure that I live and die as a free human being.
0: And that's The Take. For more coverage on the so-called separatism bill that's scheduled to go to the French Senate on Tuesday, head to aljazeera.com. This episode was produced by Negin Auliai with Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, Priyanka Tilbe, Dina Kisbe, Ney Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. Special thanks to Nicole Philippe and Mohamed Al-Safin. We'll be back on Wednesday.